before we read these four verses, I want to read something from a newspaper article, the North Kitslip Herald. I know that you all uh, are very familiar with that uh, fine periodical. Um, The North Kitslip Herald is actually a newspaper in the state of Washington. So it's not exactly the New York Times, the Washington Post. But one of their writers wrote this back in 2010. And I think uh, you moms will appreciate this. And it it really is in the spirit of the text that we'll look at uh, that I'm reading this to you. And this is what he writes. He says, the older I get, the more appreciative I become about my mother, my kid's mother, and mothers in general. As a typical guy who can only do one thing at a time, I am amazed at how many hats moms wear. Mothers everywhere, here's a tip of my hat to the so many things you constantly do. Accountant, handling the finances, saving when she can. Antidepressant, knowing how to turn a child's sadness into a smile with a snack and a warm hug. Barber and manicurist, clipping nails and trimming hair on growing fidgety children. Bodyguard, making sure her children are always safe. Bus driver, driving a jillion miles a year from practice to appointment to home. Chef. Three meals a day, 365 days a year, 1,095 meals per year, compose the needed food groups, absent excessive fat calories, and serve with love. Cheerleader, encouraging kids to always play hard and to have fun. Comedian, being able to cut tension in the family when fun, with a funny story or phrase. Comforter, someone to snuggle up to when you are cold. Counselor the sounding board for each family member's trouble, director of research and development, investigating bargains and thinking how to improve the house and the surroundings. Doctor. Moms can diagnose an ear infection in their children at 20 paces, knowing when they feel bad almost before they do by the way they look or act. Encourager. Gently pushing kids into unknown territories that will stretch their abilities and their experiences and opportunities. How about this one? Etiquette advisor. (laughs) Making sure that thank yous are sent, pleases are said, and bodily noises are absent from the dinner table. (laughs) Fan at every ball game, concert, recital, always encouraging, smiling with pride. Fashion coordinator, choosing clothes that fit and are functional at a reasonable price. Florist, Planting, weeding, watering, harvesting flowers to make sure the house is aromatic and colorful. Guide, keeping perspective, keeping kids and the spouse moving in the right direction. Historian, passing on family history, family characters from generation to generation. Hostess, always making sure guests are well-fed and comfortable when they come to her home. House cleaner, from oiled cabinets to clean floors to windows, mom makes sure The home is clean, organized, and presentable. Interior decorator, creating a warm nest with the personality of the family living in it. Judge, adjudicating disputes between siblings so that each feel their side was heard. You recognize that one? Launderer, making sure everyone's clothes are washed and ready when needed. Lead singer, we have a lot of music in our house, so this one applies. Sharing how tunes and songs about animals, I don't know where that came from, laughing babies, singing, and to- singing with toddlers. Model, always looking great on nights out. Painter, changing bedroom and bathroom colors from time to time just for a new, fresh look. Personal shopper, 
constantly knowing every family member's size and style preference. PE teacher, getting the kids outside to exercise and play. Psychic. Now, we don't believe in psychics in the church, so you, I, I did not write this, but we might would say omniscient. <laughs> Knowing where everything in the house is at all times, being able to constantly answer the question like, Mom, where is my T-shirt? Mom, where is my math book? Scheduler. Making sure kids appear at the doctor and dentist appointment, slumber parties, practices, school conferences, and other requests at their presence. Storyteller. Transitioning children into a nice sleep with a quiet, relaxing tale. Some of our kids testify to that, so we know that's true. Study hall monitor, making sure homework is done right, not just done. Supervisor, making sure chores are complete, teaching the kids a strong work ethic. Teacher from the ABCs, a how to put on pantyhose. In my house, all we have is girls, so these things really apply. Uh, Moms are there to lovingly instruct their children. Travel agent, making sure family trips are interesting and fun. Woman, sharing with sisters and other female friends the ageless secrets of femininity and womanhood. Worker, fitting one more job on top of dozens involved in running a family, and when time allows, being a person. After all the other jobs are done, some time for herself, no wonder I sometimes find my wife asleep, TV on, glasses askew, magazine in her lap, must be exhausting, wearing so many hats all the time. On this Mother's Day, let us raise a toast to our mothers, saluting and thanking her for everything she does to make each of our lives better. Happy Mother's Day. A lot of stuff there, huh? I actually left some of it out. He actually wrote wrote more than that. But uh, I thought it was a really good synopsis of all the different things that that moms do, sometimes in one day, uh, but certainly in a given week. And so with that the spirit of what we just read there, turn with me now as we read these four verses from Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, just these four verses, starting in verse 1. And a man of the house of Levi went and took his wife, a daughter of Levi. So the woman conceived and bore a son. When When she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. When she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, daubed it with asphalt, and pitch, and put the child in it, and laid it in the reeds by the river's bank. And his sister stood afar off to know what would be done to him. What's taking place here, if you know anything about chapter 1 of Exodus, the children of Israel, they live in Egypt. They had moved down years before when there was the famine that brought Jacob and the family ultimately to Egypt, and Joseph became second in command. And And over time, the children of Israel fell out of favor. They actually caused fear among the Egyptians. And the pharaohs started to hate the people, and they then put them into bondage and slavery. But the pharaoh became so paranoid that he not only was making sure that the people were worked to death, but worried that they would become too large, uncontrollable, and maybe even overtake the Egyptians, Uh, He gave a command, ultimately, (coughs) that the uh, Hebrew boys would be cast in, uh, or they would be killed. Originally, they told him to cast them into the river. But ultimately, he would send out troops, and they would just go find the Hebrew baby boys and kill them. Usually, probably, even before they ever got to the river. Just kill them, and then maybe throw them in the river after they were killed. And so, this was a horrific time uh, for the women 
of that time. Of course, the, the parents and the families as a whole. You know, but moms to have their babies ripped out of their arms. If they were a baby boy, uh, Egyptian soldiers would come, break in the house, rip the baby out, kill the baby. And during this time, Moses is born. And almost everyone's heard of Moses. I mean, not just in this room. I'm sure everyone here has heard of Moses. But even people around the world that may not be religious have heard the name Moses. His name, his life, and the many miracles God did through him. He's renowned in Scripture. Jesus spoke of and quoted Moses in his earthly ministry. He's to this day esteemed by Jewish people and esteemed by rabbis around the world. He's been the focus of several Hollywood movies, both uh, some of them that were uh, just cartoon-type movies done by DreamWorks or somebody like that, but others that were you know, full movie productions. Some people today still picture Charlton Heston anytime they hear the word Moses or the name Moses. His name is mentioned 38 times, the name Moses is mentioned 38 times in the four Gospels, another 19 times in the book of Acts. More than 20 additional times in all the New Testament epistles beyond the four Gospels and Acts. His life, the life of Moses, has been studied for good reason by thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people. Christians, pastors, theologians, professors, great leaders. His growth, his faith, his prayer life, his leadership qualities have been the focus of countless messages, many books, many training materials, many articles, all about Moses. But like all the rest of us, Moses had a mom. She played a really big role in him becoming the deliverer and leader of a nation, not only by giving birth and preserving his life, but no doubt by instilling him an example and truth that would stay with him the rest of his life. It's not always the case, but if you study the Bible... It's very prominent throughout the scriptures, wherever we see great men of God, because it's not always the case, but often the case when we see a great man of God, we often see a mom that was fulfilling the God-given role that she was given. When you study the scriptures, you can so often see these godly moms that were before these men that were raised up. So what about the mother of Moses? We know we can learn volumes from her son's life, but what can we learn from her? And there's not a lot written about her. Well, I believe that tucked in these few concise verses are some telling traits of her character that can encourage, instruct, and help moms from any time period, any time period in world history, to fulfill and to appreciate God's role and plan for motherhood. Now, if you're taking notes this morning, I've titled our time in God's Word, The Divine Roles of Mom. The Divine Roles of Mom. You see, they're more than divine. I mean, they're more than diverse. They are diverse roles, but they're more than diverse. They're divine roles. And although the role of mom is a larger sense, a singular responsibility, all the moms are called to fulfill different roles, at different times, that make up the totality of that God-given responsibility of mom or mother. And the mother of Moses, she vividly demonstrates 
some of these roles that almost any mom can relate to and cultivate. That's the key thing. Not just relate to them, but cultivate them by God's help and grace. Now, how much do we know about Moses' mother? Not a lot. Not a whole lot. But enough to know that she feared the Lord, trusted the Lord, and that God's favor and hand was on her life. That much we can glean from the scriptures. Moms, do you believe God wants to guide your life? To place his hand of blessing on all the hats you wear. Do you believe that? He absolutely does. And even the uh, name of Moses' mother, even her name, gives us some insight about how that blessing comes about in our life. We don't find her name in chapter 2. You can read all chapter 2, you won't find her name there. But it is mentioned in Exodus chapter 6, verse 20, and her name is also mentioned in Numbers 26, verse 59. Her name is Jochebed. You ever heard that? That's her name. The name of Moses' mother was Jochebed. She's from the tribe of Levi, which uh, verse 1 here tells us, as is her husband. He's also from the tribe of Levi, uh, which will later become the priestly tribe. It wasn't the priestly tribe at that point. It would later become that after Moses is raised up. Her name in Hebrew is Jochebed, Jochebed, which means Yahweh is glory. Isn't that a great name? Her name means Yahweh is glory. You might, uh, you might know the name Jehovah. Yahweh, the Lord is glory. Her life is to give God glory. That's, the, that's what her name means, is to give God glory. And moms, so is yours. Even if your name's not Jochebed, you were created and designed for this role of motherhood to give God glory. All the roles, all the seasons, all the difficulties, all the joys, all the successes, all the pains are to give glory to God. Think about this. You will never pick up a secular magazine. Go stand in the Martin's uh, checkout line or the Walmart checkout line and look at all the magazines on the rack. And a lot of them are are geared towards women. There's Women's Day and all these. Some of them uh, are, are pretty bad. But some of them uh, are respectable and some... Res- some of them are definitely respectable, but some of them are definitely trash. But you look at all the magazines there, and you'll never pick up a secular magazine that will explain that motherhood is to glorify God. You're not going to pick up secular magazines and any of them say, oh, by the way, you were created to be a mom to glorify God. You're not going to find that in secular magazines. The world's magazines, they'll have some great tips. They'll have some Pinterest-worthy decorating ideas. They'll have some stress-relieving exercises. They'll have some face scrub ideas. But they'll insist that the essence... Well, let me say, they'll miss insisting that the essence of motherhood from God's design and perspective is to give him glory. That the magazines will miss. They'll have all this other stuff. They'll have all these things that are kind of practical in nature, but never will they ever hit the bullseye that God designed mothers to glorify him. 
In fact, nor will they recognize that motherhood is something God wants to fulfill women in. In fact, sometimes on purpose, but usually not on purpose. Sometimes it's definitely done on purpose, but usually it's through what I call cultural osmosis. The writers, the bloggers, and the super successful experts will actually downplay being a mom in favor of mom finding what makes mom happy. That's what they do. You'll actually see and hear a good deal on the radio and on TV and on social media and the Internet this weekend. You'll see a good deal of what I would consider hypocrisy. What do I mean by that? Well, this is Mother's Day weekend. And the world's various forms of media will tell women that being a mom is absolutely the most fulfilling thing you could ever do. But they'll tell you that Friday, Saturday, and today. The rest of the year, they will routinely tell you to minimize being a mom, that you have way more to offer the world than being a mom. Let Let me restate that. They will tell you that you have way more to offer the world than being a mom. To outsource it whenever you can and as often as you can. Outsource it to someone else. And go out and make a name for yourself. That's what the world will tell you the rest of the year. These three days, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, mostly to get you to Macy's, they'll tell you that being a mom is the greatest thing you could ever possibly do. The rest of the year, their message is quite a bit different, which is the opposite of glorifying God. And by the way, they tell men the same exact thing except for Father's Day weekend. Same thing. All year long, not a big deal to be a dad. A couple days, yes, it's a really big deal. Study history. Study the Bible. Look at the messages of our day. Brothers and sisters, the enemy hates when moms and dads answer their call. The enemy hates when moms and dads answer their call. But God says... Answer your call. Answer your calling. Do it to glorify him and not doing it for ourselves. And he'll do something great in our lives. When we do it to glorify him, he'll do something great in our lives and in our children after us. I want us to look briefly at six roles within the larger role of the umbrella of mom that Jochebed fulfilled. Understand that God helped her every step of the way. Everything you see her do here. She does have to do it, but God's helping her through every one of these roles. And he'll do the same for every mom here. Let's look at uh, verse 1 if you're taking notes. Verse 1, this first role. The first one we want to look at, it's right in the text. I'm taking these directly out of the text. A wife. If you're married and have children, and someone were to ask you, are you a wife or a mother? You'd rightly say both. If you're married and you have kids, someone says, are you a wife or a mother? You'd say, well, both. Wife and mother, by God's design, they're interdependent roles. Does that make sense? They're interdependent roles. That's God's design for both of those hats that you wear, if you will. Now, I know we have, 
widows here. I know we have divorced moms here. I know we have single moms here, and not only here, but all throughout the United States and, and throughout the body of Christ. We have a lot of uh, moms that don't have a husband in their life, and God has a great heart for them as well. And I'll address those circumstances in just a minute. But Jochebed, she was married, so let's look at her life first. She was actually married, and the Holy Spirit emphasizes this in all four places in the Scripture where she's mentioned. All four times in the Scripture she's mentioned, her marriage is mentioned. All four times. Three times in the Old Testament, one time in the New Testament. This is God's ideal plan. But remember, even though this is God's ideal plan, God has backup plans. Isn't that great to know? So God has something for those that have lost a spouse for whatever reason. You might wonder, how is being a wife so relevant to being a mother? After all, there are millions of American moms that don't have a husband. They're not married. Jesus, though, when speaking of marriage and family, he went all the way back to where? Adam and Eve. He goes all the way back to the beginning to Adam and Eve. See, Eve was first a wife before she was a mom. Everyone knows that, right? Eve was a wife first, then she became a mom second. The prophet Malachi recorded that God hates divorce. Why? The text says he hates divorce because God desires godly offspring. Because God knows that divorce the more it's in society, the more it actually destroys society just at the root level. A mom who is happily married and enjoying the role of wife gives a level of security and peace to her children. They, of course, only know her as mom. They don't know her as wife. They only know her as mom. But when they see her fulfilled as a wife, it not only teaches them for the future, But it gives them rest and assurance for the present. It gives them a security for the present to see, you know, mom, happily married to dad. Looks great on her night out. You know, all that good stuff we read earlier. So how can we assess Jochebed's marriage and life? How can we assess her life as a wife? Do we know that they were happily married Well, we don't know that definitively, but we have a pretty good clue in Hebrews chapter 11. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Some of you may have read over this and just never even noticed that Moses' mom is in Hebrews chapter 11. So is his dad. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23. Hebrews is way, if you turn to your Bible, almost near the end of the Bible. Sometimes it's easier to go to Revelation than go back a couple chapters, back a couple uh, books, I mean. Hebrews 11, verse 23. Listen, if you didn't get there, I'll read it to you anyway. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents. There's the marriage again. Because they saw he was a beautiful child, and they were not afraid of the king's commandments. You might say, well, how is that a clue? And How can we learn about their marriage from that verse? Well, it's highly unlikely. Hebrews chapter 11 has been called the hall of faith. It's highly unlikely 
that you get placed in the hall of faith with a dysfunctional marriage when God mentions you as a married couple. Because God mentions them together. The parents, plural, of Moses. It's highly unlikely that God says, I'm going to really recognize one of the worst marriages of all time in the hall of faith. In fact, the writer of Hebrews emphasizes their unity, doesn't mention either of their names there, calls them the parents, collective. Jochebed and, and her husband were in unity together in their marriage. Another clue is that they were both Levites. Both of them were Levites. Perhaps more of an indication of their closeness and their unity. We know the meaning of Jochebed's name. I already mentioned it. Yahweh is glory. But the name of Amram, that's her husband's name. Amram, it's equally instructive. and It's complementary to her name. Amram has a couple of meanings. One is an exalted people. It can mean friend of Jehovah and worshipings. An exalted people, friend of Jehovah, and worshipings. And so through this couple, if you take her name and his name and put them together, it means that God will be glorified. A people that are currently in slavery will be exalted, being lifted up. Their son would talk to God like a friend. And he'd lead the people to worship. God had pre-designed how their relationship would work. And Jochebed's role in it was key. What was true in them would be borne out in their what? Offspring. Go back to Malachi. God desires godly offspring. Now, so what about the unmarried moms that maybe you're here today and you're not married? You're not, you don't have a husband. You're widowed, divorced, whatever it may be. Uh, For that matter, even a single dad who might be here that has to wear the role of mom. So we have dads in this church uh, that are both mom and dad because they don't have a wife anymore. Well, is there anything for you? There definitely is. You know, God says he's the father to the fatherless. So he's going to be there for your kids. But Jochebed... Think about it this way from a spiritual perspective. Jochebed, like all the God, I mentioned this on Wednesday night, all the godly women in the Bible are a picture of the bride of Christ. And whenever you see godly women in the Bible, they are a picture of the faithful church. Just like the Proverbs 31 woman is a picture of the faithful church. It's a picture of a really good godly wife, but it's also a picture of the faithful church. And whether you're single or married, or widowed, you still, if you're saved, are in the body of Christ. So you're married to Christ. All of us. Men here were married to Christ. And so single moms, or single dads, you're married to the Lord. And if God places you in a marriage, you know, that's up to him. He certainly can change circumstances. But if that's not the case... You still have a relationship, a marriage relationship with Christ. And if your kids see you, and here's where it's key, spiritually speaking, if your kids see you in a secure, fulfilled relationship with Jesus, they'll also have the peace and security that they need in their life. Even if there's not a dad in the home or a mom in the home, they know what? They know your relationship with Jesus means that your heavenly father has them safe in, their ha- in his hands, that he's got 
their back, that he's taking care of, that God the Father is taking care of mom and dad. So Jesus also, unlike spouses, he never makes mistakes. He'll never let you down. He'll never forget you. So it's important to know that even though Jochebed was married, God still is looking out for the single parents that may be here or anywhere else for that matter. Let's look at number two. The first one was her role as a wife. Let's look at her next role. Unconditional love, an unconditional love. So the woman conceived and bore a son, verse 2, and saw that he was a beautiful child. Now Moses may have very well been exceptionally cute. Uh, Jewish traditions, there's some amazing Jewish traditions about Moses. Many of the, uh, many of the rabbinical writings uh, say that Moses, his face glowed when he was born. It, this, is, this was passed down through thousands of generations, that his face actually glowed. It was as if the Holy Spirit was already upon him at birth. Now, we've seen that God has said this about, uh, we know that God's Holy Spirit was upon John the Baptist inside the womb of Elizabeth. So this would not be unprecedented by God. He's done things like this. Now, that was not recorded in Scripture, but both Hebrews and this chapter records that he was beautiful. And it seems to put it in a spiritual light. But we don't know exactly what all that means, but whether he was really handsome, really cute, or there really was a glow of the Spirit on him, that really wouldn't have stopped Jochebed from loving him. Wouldn't you agree? See, I'm pretty sure Jochebed would have loved him even if he looked normal. Even if she didn't think, he's not as cute as I hoped. (laughs) Not as handsome as I hoped he would be. See, all mothers think their babies are adorable. Anyway, they're not going to think that. The old cliche, a face only the mother could love, uh, that definitely did not come from a mom. That had to have been started by someone who disagreed with a mom. Probably a man. But the Hebrew word here is best rendered, the word beautiful, it's best rendered pleasant and agreeable. That's the word beautiful here. It's best rendered pleasant and agreeable. Who doesn't want to hold a pleasant and agreeable baby? You moms have already figured out if Jochebed could keep him quiet for three months, she probably wasn't dealing with colic or screaming or up all night or wearing the parents out. Uh, The Jewish tradition says that Moses didn't cause, again, we don't know, this is just what the Hebrew writings, it's not biblical, but the Hebrew writings of rabbis have tradition that had been passed down that she had no pain in in his labor. But the other brothers and sisters, she did. Whether that's the case or not, we don't know. But we do know that she was able to keep it a secret that she had a baby for three months, which is pretty hard to do in a tight-knit society. And Egyptian guards are constantly checking to see, has a baby been born? As a side note, Moses was a foreshadowing of Jesus. He is not Christ, but he was a type of Christ. Did you know that? He's a type of Christ. Even Moses himself said, the Lord will raise up himself a prophet like unto me. He was speaking of the Messiah to come. Why is he a foreshadow? Well, both were deliverers. Both had kings trying to kill them as soon as they were born, or shortly after being born. Both spent their early years in Egypt. 
and both were born to godly Jewish parents. And there's other, uh, there's other things we could look at that are very similar things. So Moses was a type of Christ, like Jochebed would be a type of Mary, if you will, giving birth to someone that God had handpicked for a great role, and she had the responsibility of watching over him and keeping him safe. And both, and Jesus for sure, would be some of the easiest to care for babies that the world has ever seen because God just did it that way, that there was a a very special plan. But when you think about an unconditional love, though, again, Jochebed would love all of her children equally. Wouldn't you agree? Aaron, Miriam, her other children. And moms, they see the potential in every child. They see them all as beautiful. Wouldn't you agree, mom? Do you see all your kids as beautiful? Even if other people don't think they're beautiful, you still think they're beautiful. You see them as what they are, a gift from God to be loved from cradle all the way till they're elderly. Because sometimes, I mean, you, you actually have elderly parents that get to see their kids become elderly. And we've had in our family people that are 90 and 70 at the same time able to see elderly and elderly, comparing whose knee hurts worse and all that kind of stuff, you know. (laughs) But an unconditional love, she would have to look at this child and say, beautiful or not, I'll do whatever it takes. Let's take a look at the next role, which is protector, a protector. See, the decree from Pharaoh that all the Hebrew baby boys be killed that was not an option for Jochebed. I hope it wouldn't be for you ladies either. The world might tell... You know, America tells a lot of women to kill their babies. That's sad. Not an edict, but it's a strong recommendation to a lot of our younger women. It's still the same enemy behind Pharaoh's edict is the same enemy behind telling women today, hey, just kill your child. Not really a child anyway. But it is. And God puts in the hearts of moms not to kill their children, but to protect their children. This wasn't an option for her. She was immediately determined to protect the life of her child, regardless of what Pharaoh had said. You've seen the stories of mothers that were caught in blizzards or earthquakes where the buildings collapsed on them or tornadoes, same thing, or other disasters where the moms actually died, there's been many stories, the moms actually died sheltering the child underneath them in their arms. And when rescue workers and first responders and emergency workers have come and lifted the mother off, the child was alive. It's happened many, many times. The God-given instinct and response for mothers is to shield and protect their child. It's exactly what Jochebed does here. She says, I'm going to hide him. I'm going to keep him safe. Hosea 13.8 says, I will meet them like a bear deprived of her cubs and will tear open their rib cage. God, God says, oh, a mother bear, the fight is on. You're trying to do something to the kids. A female bear, you know, a female bear, it'll take on 10 bears to protect the cubs. She'll die in the process often, but not going to give any inch before they're able to run to safety personal safety and security, it goes out the window when thinking of your child. That's moms and dads, amen? Personal safety goes out the window to protect your kids. But there's a spiritual parallel here, moms, that I want you to see. 
See, Pharaoh, Pharaoh represents the system of the world run by Satan that wants to grab your child's soul. Pharaoh represents the world's system. Egypt represents the world. I don't know if you know that, but Egypt is a type of the world. It's a type of bondage of sin. Pharaoh is a type of Satan. He represents, I want the soul of your kids. That's what he wants. So the day your kid's born, I tell the kids, tonight we'll be in the Bonaire Youth Correctional Facility. I tell the kids at Bonaire all the time, God has a plan for your life, but so does Satan. God has a plan to give you life. Satan has a plan to kill you. And he's actually working his plan pretty good because he's gotten you to this place. But God can still get you out of that place, out of the uh, literal prison, but actually out of the prison of sin. And Satan has this plan to take your child's life and to take their soul. The enemy's goal is to deceive and destroy. You may not have Pharaoh coming after your kids, but you definitely have the world coming after your kids. It's not just the physical protection of mom that is there to keep the kids from falling down the stairs when they're young. It's not just that protection of the dog down the street, the chemicals under the sink, avoiding strangers, but also the spiritual protection of prayer over her children, teaching the scriptures and the wisdom of God. So as your kids grow up, they see the temptations and the traps of the enemy when mom isn't around. That's what you're doing, mom. You're, Moses someday would not only be able to teach what mom had taught him, but he would teach it in a great, great way. Wouldn't you agree Moses turned out pretty good? He someday was able to see the enemy for who the enemy was. His mom won't always be around. Moms, now more than ever, there are so many things to protect your kids and minds and hearts and their eyes from in this day and age, in this world we live in. And moms whose kids are grown, let's say your kids are all grown up now. Well, your wisdom, your experience, your spiritual maturity is still needed even when your kids are adults. (coughs) They still might pick up the phone and call you. You hope they do anyway, right? You may not wear the protector role as often, but you still may be called into duty to give a little wisdom, to give some counsel, maybe even to give a little gentle warning, even when your kids are all grown up. Protector. Let's look at Jochebed's next quality. An innovator. Where do you get that? Well, get it right out of the text here. An innovator. But when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, daubed it with asphalt, hitched, so she takes a woven basket, whether the basket was already woven or she wove it herself. She takes this woven basket, and she's going to make it into something to put baby Moses in. Whether the Egyptians developed a suspicion, maybe house-to-house checks were increasing or just a prompting from the Lord, uh, which ultimately this was a prompting from the Lord, Jochebed felt she could no longer keep baby Moses in the house But what would she do? What's she going to do? She can't keep the baby in the house. You can't just walk down the street and say, I am not letting anyone touch my baby. You can't flee across the desert. So it comes into her mind, just poof. You ever have things just, mom, just pop into your mind? You're like, I wonder if that's from God. 
Preacher's got to pray about it because after a while, that one wasn't from God. But, uh, <laughs> but a lot of times it can be, especially you know when things are coming from God when you're in fellowship with God, when you're in the Word of God, when you're walking in the Spirit. Then your thought life is going to be coming from God. And it comes into her mind to take a basket, a very commonly used basket, and to waterproof it. And make it into a small boat, if you will, with a covering on top. No one else was doing this. None of the other Hebrew moms came up with this. Came into her mind to do this. The Hebrew word here is tabal. It's the same word for ark. The same word that's used for the ark that Noah built. Same exact word. Some scholars speculate that Jochebed actually thought of Noah's ark, the much larger ark that saved his families, and she used the same tar pitch that Noah used to kind of put it on the inside. So you, put the, you have to put the basket part down, you have to put the pitch all inside, and then you reline it with basket again so it's waterproofed, which is what Noah had done in putting between all the wood planks. He put that same pitch and uh, tar in there. But without question, God was, God was guiding her. But she was also using the creative and innovative mind that God gave her. And maybe even the study of God's word was just kind of understanding what God had written. But all these things, her study, the creativity, the innovation that God put in her mind to make this little vessel of escape for her son. Romans chapter 1 talks about inventors of evil things. But God wants us and you moms and dads, to be inventors of good things. The world will be invent... Don't don't worry, the world will definitely keep inventing evil things. But we're to invent good things. Moms may never need to come up with an ark solution, but moms still have to be innovators. Creativity and innovation is somewhat required for motherhood, and probably many things that I hadn't thought of, but, you know, creativity of what's in the pantry or fridge when dinner has to be ready in 30 minutes and no one's thought about it. It's how new recipes are born, right? (laughs) Creativity and workarounds with what's in the checkbook when food and clothes are needed. Creativity in redoing the kid's room. Creative and innovative consulting on the school project. Innovation and creativity with time and calendar conflicts. Innovative when you thought you had another pack of diapers in the house and you didn't. You're going to have to be innovative. Or the hair dryer stops working at the wrong time and you've got to innovate. You've got to have your daughter's hair ready or something. You know, all these things, God gives us a mind that actually gives us creativity, but he wants us to actually stop and pray, Lord, what do I do? And he'll give you ideas. Why didn't I think of that? Well, you're not God. He wants to add to your creativity. He wants to actually speak into your mind and heart things that come from him because God's really creative. Have you ever looked around the world? All the things he's created, he's very creative. He gives us these innovative ideas. I love being around creative and innovative people. I really do. I, I, I'm inspired by people that come up with solutions. Anybody can identify problems and shortcomings. That's easy. Anyone can complain and point, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. I love being around people that actually come up with solutions. And we have some ladies here and some moms at this church that their creative ideas 
and their innovation around ministry areas, serving the children, making use of the space that we have here, events, organization, reaching this community, helping a grieving family. I could go on and on. I'm really thankful that God's made them innovators at home. And then they bring that innovation not just from the home, but to the church home here, where we're a collection of families. Understand that true innovation is not coming up with a solution. Hear this out. Innovation is not coming up with a solution. True innovation is actually applying the solution. Anyone can come up with ideas, but a lot of people have ideas and they never do anything with them. They just think, you know, it would be good, I should do this, but don't. She didn't just think about the ark, she made it. She didn't just design it, she actually got her hands dirty with tar and wove it and lined it and put it together. Not just having the idea, but actually carrying it out. And I taking an idea that I believe, without question, is fostered by God, but then taking action on it. Innovation plus initiative go hand in hand. Let's look at the fifth quality, the role of Jochebed, and that's a visible faith. Jochebed may have pushed little Moses out in a well-designed and perfectly buoyant uh, waterproof basket, but she had no idea what would happen to him once he was moving down the river. She puts him in the reeds. What's going to happen next? She doesn't know. She felt compelled by God to push her own son into the unknown as keeping him in the house just wasn't an option anymore. But she had to think of all the ways that he could die in the river. I mean, anyone would think of these things. We, we, we always have fear first, don't we? We always have all the, the list of doubts first. Only God could now guide this little ark to safety. Even though she had no idea what did safety look like, how would this even work? Was he any safer floating in the Nile than he was in her house? I mean, really. You had to ask yourself that question. Is he any safer in the Nile than he is in the house? If crocodiles, all kinds of things, that uh, you know, another boat could come by, tip it over, and he drowns. Imagine all the thoughts of how this was a bad idea. Then starting to doubt, did the idea really come from God? You ever have God gives you something, you know it's from God, you follow through with it, and then like Peter, you're walking on water, strolling along, this couldn't possibly be from God, it's time to sink. That happens to us a lot, I'm sure it would have happened to her. Maybe the idea didn't come from God. All these things could go wrong. Faith is always moving forward in our fears, isn't it? Moving forward in our fears. Andrew Murray said, feed your faith and starve your doubts to death. Feed your faith, starve your doubts to death. Moms, single moms, single dads, prepare your kids according to the plan of God's word. Prepare them with the word of God. Prepare them with prayer. Put them in a basket of truth. Model a genuine walk of Christ in their life. Model a life of faith. And then teaching them the word of God. Then, as you put them in the basket and they move down the river of life, you keep praying, you keep trusting that God will lead them to a safe destination that he's divinely prepared for their life. Do you see the spiritual application? We have to do the same thing. We eventually have to put our kids in the basket. 
and they eventually have to go down the river of life, and there's all kinds of pharaohs and crocodiles and everything else out there, and you have to trust God that he's going to take them to the right place. Never forget this, moms. God loves your kids more than you do. Dads, God loves your kids more than you do. Grandparents, God loves your kids more than you do. And he has a plan for their lives, and his plan won't be thwarted. Let's look at the last and final role, the quality of Jochebed. Last one, coming to a close here, a leader. Now, you might think, leader, it's kind of a strong word here. I don't see that. I don't see her doing any kind of leadership. No, it's here. It's right in the text. Verse 4, and his sister stood afar off to know what would be done to him. Men and fathers, you're to be leaders. High priest of your home, leading your families to the Lord and everything you do. But moms are to be leaders too. In many respects, co-leading the affairs of the home and family. Fact is, moms are often the leader the kids see most from a time perspective. How many men would agree with that? They see mom more than they see dad. Count up the minutes of the day, count out the hours, count up the time of the week. The leader they see more than dad from a physical presence, is typically mom. So from that perspective, now, again, it doesn't take away dad's uh, role to lead, to be the leader of a home, but moms are co-leader in this affairs of the home and family. So moms, they have the privilege and they have the opportunity to disciple, to train up, to build up, and to pour into their children's future. They're training their kids to be leaders. One of the things that leaders do is they make others an extension of themselves. They instill the same character, the same values, the same honesty, the same integrity, the same faith. Moms, your faith will greatly influence the level of faith your kids will have. They see you walk in faith, they'll likely take steps of faith. Certainly this applies to the dads too, but it's not Father's Day, so I'm just inserting a few here and there, just... Jochebed, she has taught her children, not just Moses, who's not old enough to really receive these things. He's only young. He's, she's going to get her hands back on him. You have to read the rest of the story. But, uh, but she's already been pouring this into Aaron and Miriam. They're older than Moses. She's been pouring into them that life has a great value. We don't sacrifice our kids to Pharaohs, which she taught them. Not in this house. We don't sacrifice our kids to the American way of living. Not in this house. We don't sacrifice our kids to what the internet says, what Cosmopolitan says. We don't sacrifice this thing. She had been teaching her kids that life has great value, and it's worth taking a great risk to preserve it. The creative solutions, they might be required. We might have to think outside the box, family, at times. But God will give us the wisdom to think outside the box. And he'll do that through prayer. That's what the kids have learned. It's through prayer. It's through waiting on God to bring the guidance on how we're going to proceed. We talk about this in our house all the time. What are we going to do? Well, God will show us. We'll get to the fork in the road, and he'll show us where to go. And then we'll have to have the faith to move forward. That's what leadership is. You're leading people. In this case, she's leading her young kids, and they're seeing her faith. We see another aspect of what good leaders do. 
they've taught and trained enough to be able to delegate. She sends little Miriam, says, you have a watching post position. Move down the river, set up right there, and you watch that basket, and you find out what happens to it. She's delegating here. Miriam is given the role of watching what happens to little Moses. And I believe Jochebed has well prepared her for the various scenarios that could come up and what to say and what to do for each of the scenarios. See, when you prepare people, if you're a good leader, you prepare your kids, say, and when you go out, this could happen, this could happen, this could happen, this could happen, and here's how you respond to each of those things. You prepare them well so they know how to handle that role. Sadly, today, many moms, and for that many, or many parents in America, they do everything for their kids. I don't know if you've watched. I mean, we had, when we had the Ugandan kids here, one of the ladies who was there, Rachel, sweetheart, she said what she's observed now and spending in the homes of so many, it was like 23 different churches, I don't know how many different denominations, she couldn't believe what she saw, although she loved, she, she, had, she said the kids in this church, she said, I don't know what y'all are doing parenting, but it's not the same as a lot of the other places I went. She said, in many of the homes I went, the kids did nothing but play video games, be on their iPads, talk back to their parents, did no work, no chores, no nothing. This was her observation. She's from Africa. She said, I thought I was going to come here and every home was going to be just a spiritual blessing. She goes, I found out I'm the missionary to their houses. That was her testimony and witness to us. See, many of the kids today, they can't cook, they can't clean, they can't iron a pair of pants, they can't diagnose a situation, can't even problem solve. I remember when I was still at Microsoft, uh, we were talking about the digital age, and and, uh, in New York City, they had a group of kids that got stuck, they went into the manholes and they got stuck underneath. They couldn't figure out, they couldn't figure out that they, all they had to do was call 911 from their phones. You know how, you know what they did? They were texting and Facebooking for help. What all they do is dial 911 because no one's instructing, no one's discipling, nobody's teaching, nobody's training leaders. Many American kids today, they're experts at texting, experts at video games, experts at iPod listening, experts at TV watching. Those things aren't wrong in and of themselves, but they're not being taught responsibility. They're not being taught work ethic. They're not being taught how to serve others. They're not being taught how to communicate effectively and respectively. Guess what? Those kids can only be followers. That's all they can be. They've only been trained to be followers. Just lead them right over a cliff. That's what Satan will do, right over a cliff. This past Thursday, I was at the National Day of Prayer. I go down there, and it broke up three groups. I ended up with me and three women. And they wanted to hold hands. And they were from the old school. And they prayed down heaven on that place. There's two grandmothers and a lady about my age. And they, and they, uh, they were shouting, and, and uh, they were awesome. And they were taking no prisoners in their prayer. And everything I said about the kids, they said ten times more. I wish I could have recorded their prayers. But Jochebed, she had led young Mary, Miriam, and she had given her maturity to handle the task that she was given. Now, how does the rest of the story end? 
We have to go on and read the rest of the story. Ultimately, Pharaoh's daughter finds baby Moses. Jochebed gets hired and paid some serious coin to watch her own child. This is how God works, right? He does a great thing. Moses will go on to be the leader that God's called him to be. God is indeed glorified. Her faith is rewarded, and her son is used by God to rescue an entire nation. This is God's plan, Mom. This is his plan. Wear the hats that God's given you. Fulfill the roles that he's given you, whether it be as a wife, a mother, a nurse, any other role that he gives you. Trust God and pass on a godly heritage that will include some miracles along the way. It really will. That way your children and someday your grandchildren will come to know the Lord and they'll have the Lord's hand on their life. Amen? Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you that you give us a roadmap. You give us exactly what we need for any role, whether it's a mother, a grandmother, a single mother, whatever role it may be, a dad fulfilling the role of mom, you give us what we need. And these qualities, Lord, everyone can cultivate them because of the work of the Holy Spirit. Everyone can grow in these. Everyone can become more attuned to your spirit in these. Everyone can become more effective in modeling these things. And so, Lord, that's my prayer for all the moms here. We've got some great moms, and they're doing a lot of great things in your name. But, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen them afresh and anew. Lord, that uh, areas that, that you want to see us grow in collectively, whether we might be moms or dads, parents in general, Lord, that we'll grow in those areas and that our kids will benefit, but ultimately the lives of unsaved people around us will benefit as well as you raise up a godly heritage in the homes and in this church. And we ask these things in your name. Amen. Why don't you stand?